Here we are. Mm-hmm. Are we going to talk about how tired we are first? No? Maybe not. Too tired to talk about tired. <laughs> I got my coffee. You got your tea. Yep. My coffee's cold already, but it's still delicious. Wrapped in blankets. It's not that cold, but, you know, Austin. It's cold for us Austinites with thin skin. 60 degrees is pretty chilly for us. <laughs> well, and it's like, I don't know, dark and dreamy outside. Yeah, it's super foggy. I don't know if you can tell back there. But you it can does. See it. I can kind of tell from there. Crazy. Hope I don't get into a wreck on my way to work. Hey, don't say things like that, please. Don't say that I hope that I don't. Just don't mention getting into a wreck. Oh, okay. Are you superstitious? No, I'm just a little superstitious. <laughs> I totally set you up for that one. I was expecting you to say that. <laughs> and then there was that pause there, and I was like, oh, no, is she not going to? Am I going to have to say this? Yep, there's our offer reference for the day. You did. You did. You did well, Broccolo. Congratulations. You read my mind. (laughs) Men, don't ever bank on that. (laughs) But sometimes she can come in clutch. It's pretty awesome. (laughs) So, yeah. It's been another interesting week. I guess, maybe. Yeah, with Halloween and all. Yeah. So, the day before we were recording this, it is Wednesday, was Halloween last night. Yeah. That was, that was fun. It was interesting. It was a Not cold, really. <laughs> wet Halloween. Um, so, we had maybe like seven kids come to the door. Yeah, we had a big group of kids, which is probably like, yeah, six or seven. And then we had one kid <laughs> by himself. But before that, we had another group of kids that probably thought our doorbell worked because I just saw them walk. Like, I heard them, and I was waiting for the door to knock. A knock on the door. That's what I meant. (laughs) The door doesn't actually knock itself. Um, And then I saw them walking away, and I'm like, oh, we have candy. Bags and bags of candy. Yeah. I don't know what we're going to do with it all. We're going to eat it. No. Definitely not going to eat it all. Well, we've got a year. Or we could just wait till the Christmas treaters come. I was tired, okay? <laughs> My brain doesn't work when I'm tired. But it was pretty awesome. That is an awesome thing to say when you're tired. <laughs> Maybe someone will do some Christmas treating. Were you trying to say that... Um, when the Christmas carolers come, no, you I wasn't candy? trying to say anything about Christmas at all. I was okay. trying to say maybe there will be some, maybe some people will try trick or treating tonight. Is what I was trying to say. Okay. Yeah, but for, for some, some reason, reason Christmas. Christmas slipped in there, and I have no idea why. <laughs> maybe there will be Thanksgiving treaters. Maybe we can give them some turkey. No, we give them candy. Yeah, we eat true. the turkey. <laughs> Need to get rid of this candy. But yeah, so that was fun. 
Halloween is a strange thing. I've, I've, I, I, I can't even talk. I have never been trick or treating before. 28 years old. I've had 28 chances. Never done it. When, uh, when I was young, my parents were, uh, they thought that Halloween was evil, for lack of a better word. Um, they just, they just knew like the pagan practices behind Halloween. And so they didn't want us to participate in it. Now we've been going to church since I was real young. So we would always go to like the church fall festivals. And so we would always get candy. Like, don't get me wrong. I've, Halloween has always meant candy. <laughs> um, but I've never actually been trick or treating and I rarely dress up. I do remember one fall fest that we went to at a church when I was really young. I mean, like probably Gosh, I was probably like four or five. I mean, I was young. Could be wrong on that. Maybe I was older, but I, I was still a little kid. And I remember dressing up in like a little poncho and a little beard and being like random prophet number one. Not really. I think I was Moses, but all those prophets look the same, right? I mean, they're all just a beard and a robe and you're a prophet. You're an Old Testament character, right? So what's the difference in going to a fall festival and going trick-or-treating? What's the different? The difference is, I mean, you're not going door to door asking for candy. Is that what you mean in the function? Or are you saying in like the purpose? In the purpose. The purpose is that at the fall festivals, at least the ones that I went to when I was a kid, there was usually like some sort of Bible story tie in with mm. the with the games that you would play. Excuse me. So it was like, lead these animals in two by two. Okay, take these little like camel figurines and put them in this little boat oh yeah you get a piece of candy um so it's more based on like bible stories uh but that's not always the case basically basically halloween practices excuse me have pagan roots and so like the myth of the jack-o'-lantern was i think satan trying to steal someone's soul and then that guy like tricked him into getting up on a tree and then putting something at the bottom of the tree so that he couldn't come down. And so Satan like lobbed a, a candle or like a piece of fire at the dude's head and, and cursed him to where he would always like have a fiery head. And so that was Jack. And so that's what we do. Our Jack O'Lantern, just like crazy myth, not myths, but, but like the, the ideas behind the thing. I mean, even trick or treating itself I I think it actually had to do with um with the the Catholic tradition of like paying um not alms but like gathering money for um family members in purgatory something like that and so they would go door to door and um basically ask for money and and just like even dressing up at Halloween it has the connotation of like tricking the evil spirits because all hollows eve is supposed to be like the most evil night of the year that's when evil is most rampant for one reason or another sort of like how three o'clock is the witching hour or is it two o'clock i don't know just, i mean like you know it's it's not real but like that's just the folk understanding is mm. that all hollows eve is when all the hollow um all the well, no, no, no. Actually, All Hallows Eve. Yeah, so so the day after, November 1st, is supposed to be like a high holy day on the Catholic calendar. And so like the night before that is when evil is supposed to run rampant because then it's conquered the next day. So, um, so even the idea of dressing up as different things is like 
to trick the evil spirits into not knowing who you are and so not being able to like curse you or anything like that. So like you dress up as a demon because all the other demons are out and they're not gonna they're not gonna bother you versus like if you're just a normal human then they'll go and attack you for whatever reason. So things like that that really um well, I want to assure you all that if you dress up and go trick-or-treating on Halloween, you are not opening yourself up to evil spirits. Well, that's 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 why I'm saying um, that, like, that's that's what the case was when I was younger. My parents are not that, like, hard line on it anymore. Like, they, they don't really care. Um, they'll hand out candy for trick-or-treaters and stuff like that. Because that's that's kind of, like, the underlying ideas behind what we get but that doesn't necessarily play into the way that people celebrate today. I mean, like, sure, the outward appearance is based on those things, but it I don't think, yeah, like you said, I don't think you're opening yourself up to evil spirits when you participate in trick-or-treating or, or dressing up as Moana. Oh, no. <laughs> Do <laughs> you want to talk about that article? Uh, we don't have to talk about it, but I do want... I'll, I'll post it in the show notes, guys. Just so that you know, um, don't dress up as Moana if you're white. You should only dress up as a white character. Otherwise, you're appropriating um, Polynesian culture uh, because of your white privilege. But also, don't dress up as a white person because like, you need to expand your mind. Like, like get outside of your own experience. So why are you so racist and only dressing up like a white person? Um, so I'm going to go ahead and link that article just so that everyone knows cosmopolitan says, you know, Moana is, is only Polynesian kids can dress up as Moana. <laughs> Gosh, so dumb. Okay. And with that, um, I was just saying that I've never been trick or treating. Um, I yeah, think... Halloween always just meant dressing up and getting candy. Yeah, exactly. And that's totally cool. Like, I don't mind that at all. It's kind of like the whole thing with Easter, right? I mean, the name of Easter came from, um, I think it's an Indian goddess, Ishtar. Uh, I, I want to say the goddess of um, fertility, something like that. So that's why you have bunnies and eggs, because it's like fertility behind the whole thing, even though Easter is supposed to be like Resurrection Sunday, got mixed in with these pagan practices. So uh, I would not say that you are sinning by celebrating Easter. <laughs> um, not at all. I also don't think you're sinning by celebrating Halloween. I understand that it was based in these crazy little practices, um, but I also understand that um, you can use it for, uh, for good. Basically, like we meet a lot of our neighbors during Halloween. And I think that is a good thing. As Christians, we ought to be uh, reaching out to those around us and being a blessing in their lives. We're not very good at that. Well, yeah. And it's cards on the table. Help that it was raining last night. So no one was out. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but I think there are, are things that you can do, th things that the culture participates in that we as Christians can um, participate in as well in order to further uh, just relationship and community yeah. with other people so that we can be a light in the midst of darkness. And I don't mean darkness as in Halloween. I mean darkness as in just people who don't have the light, people who are spiritually dead. Um, 
So I, I think you can redeem. I, I think I get that principle from Paul, you know, where he's talking about the food sacrifice to idols. Like even if there are these pagan practices going on among the meat that is sold in the market, if your conscience isn't preventing you from from eating it, like it, it doesn't mean anything because those idols aren't even real. I think the same thing goes with Halloween. That candy is sacrificed to, I don't know, demons. I, I, I don't think that's the case. But even if it were, <laughs> like so long as your conscience doesn't bother you about that, it's it's fine. It's fine. And and find a way to glorify God in it. So that's my two cents. I I think my parents are definitely that way as well. But all this story to say is that I've never actually been trick-or-treating before. So um, we weren't sure if we were going to do it this year because Oliver's two and we were thinking about it. But then it started raining and we just stayed inside and he was happy just eating candy from the candy bowl. Yep. So. Yep. And he would get excited when kids would come to the door. Yeah, he would. He liked seeing all the kids in costume. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. And <laughs> he'd tell them, bye-bye, later. <laughs> Which was super cute. Like, I told him, the first kid, I told him to say goodbye. And so he told him bye-bye. But then he would always say, later. I'm like, aw, he's saying see you later. To all the kids who were dressed up, getting the candy on. It was really cute. It was. I loved it. He's very sweet. (laughs) That kid. Yeah, and so we stayed inside and watched old videos, old phone videos of our trip to Ireland Mm -hmm. a few years ago, which was awesome and got us all nostalgic and man, it was a good time. to go back to Ireland. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, all the time. Every day. Uh, and then watched uh, old video, old phone videos of Oliver when he was just a little baby, and it's crazy how much he looks like his sister yeah. as a baby. Well, they yeah, how much like she looks like him. Yeah. Person. Either way, same deal. <laughs> they both look like maybe it's because we had them so close together. You know, they're only a year and a half apart, but man, they're like twins. It's crazy. Little chunky babies. Yeah, they look a lot different now. Like, I think when she was first born, they looked a lot more alike. But she's she's definitely got her own features. Well, yeah. But it's just, I mean, when he was first born, he was scrawny, though. So oh, yeah. it took a while to get him into a chunk. And then now that, excuse me, not now, but then when he became chunky, he looks like his sister because she's always been chunky. <laughs> she's always been a good eater. I love it. Healthy babies. Mm-hmm. Healthy, chunky babies. I love them. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I think we hit our quota for, for baby small talk. talk. Oh, I mean, I don't know. If you want to talk small some more, we can. I just meant our children. I think we dote on them a lot, which is fine. But I love it. So cute. Yeah. So, talk to me. About what? That's what I was going to say next. <laughs> what do you want to talk about? I don't know. We were kicking around ideas for um, for topics on this episode and, um, you know, getting a little personal like last week. No, not really. Um, I am really busy. I mentioned it last week. And uh, I've been reading a lot, 
a lot of different things for school and for work and all kinds of fun stuff. And uh, it's crazy because when I stop and try to think, um, my brain just keeps spinning and I'm like, I don't know what to talk about. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't have anything. Even though I'm like diving into a number of different subjects, it's just like, I don't know. I just can't think. It's difficult for me. So um, anyways, that said, I wanted to talk about actually something that we started to talk about a couple weeks ago, but I think it takes, um, I think we can do better, basically. So uh, I think it was two episodes ago, we talked Mm -hmm. about flat earth theory and kind of led that into- We're not going to talk about flat earth theory again. Yeah, no, we're good. good. (laughs) We don't have to. But the reason we had that conversation was so that we could talk about- how to interpret the scriptures. And I think that episode was focused on kind of the, um, the, the relationship between the flat earth theory and scriptural interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think we gave a very good, like I think what we did was we said, this is how not to read the Bible mm-hmm. and gave examples from the flat earth theorists, the truthers. Um. I I want to dive a little bit deeper and give some tips on how to read the Bible and how to read the Bible properly Um, because it's not super intuitive. Like it's not, the Bible is not a novel. Like you can't just pick it up and, and read it from beginning to end and understand everything. It takes a lot more, um, a lot more study and you have to go into it understanding a few things about it um, in order to properly pull out the meaning of the scripture. And that that's where we're going to focus is properly interpreting the Bible. And what we mean by that is interpreting the Bible um, by what it is actually trying to say and not just using the Bible to say what you want to say, mm-hmm. which is something that think a lot of people unfortunately happens all do. too often yeah yeah they have a message to bring and so right. they will they try. bring a presupposition to scripture well right but i'm i'm saying even like i'm thinking of people who either preach or just insert little bible verses into whatever their presentation is hmm. like they are trying to say something and then they pull pieces of scripture out to kind of bolster it and say, look, you know, I've got the wisdom of the ages on my side. The Bible says this as well. And that is not what the Bible, that is very um, disrespectful of what the Bible actually is. Because I I think if someone did that to you, if someone recorded all the words that you say throughout the day and pulled out little phrases that you said, and used it in a different context. I, I think that would be very insulting um, for them to do that to you. And so I don't think you should do that with what God has said in his word. Um, that was a very good analogy, babe. Oh, that's a really you. good point. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's, it's kind of, it, it's common, common courtesy, but it's also really important because these are the words that God has given us. Um, and I think, yeah, all too often we view scripture as how it can, 
how it can help me. Yeah. And not how do we serve God through it. Yeah. So that's another part is that sometimes, and I understand the heart behind this, um, but sometimes we treat the Bible like a horoscope. Sometimes we go to the Bible. Sometimes, you know, we wake up, we have our coffee, whatever. And then we're just like, okay, God, what do you have for me today to accomplish my day? And just like a horoscope a horoscope would say, you know, um, you'll find the love of your life at a coffee shop today. <laughs> we go to scripture and we take a Bible verse that told, um, that told Abraham to leave his people and to go into the land of Canaan. And we say, oh, I should move to a new city. When that's not what God was saying, like the story of Abraham is not about you. Yeah, exactly. Um, Now, and and I'll, I'll return to this later. I do think we can make application of the way that God has revealed himself to other people, the prophets, apostles, and things like that. I think there are applications that we can make when we see someone following God. We can say that was the right way to follow God. And so we ought to be doing that as well. Um, so like in, in the, the um, flat earth episode, I talked about how we pull out um, how David was a hero and how um, we ought to be like David. Um, I do want to retract a little bit of what I said I do think that the main point of the story of David is that he's a sinner and God loved him. But I do think there were um, things that he did that were righteous and that we ought to do as well. I just don't think that is the point of the story of David. The overarching point of David is that we need Need God. God. We need forgiveness. We need redemption. And we can't do that in and of ourselves. Now, when David slays... Goliath, certainly we can say his trust was in the Lord to do that for Israel. Therefore, we ought to trust in the Lord as well. Not put David on a pedestal, but right, say what God... because he didn't do that himself. Right, exactly. But we can say um, that God fulfilled his purpose through David, and David trusted the Lord, so we ought to trust the Lord as well. So there are applications like that, but that is not the main point right. of of that story. The main point is that God conquers his enemies, <laughs> which is so cool. Um, the other foundational point that I want to make is that I believe that this is so important to us as Christians to understand what the word is saying. One of the reasons I think that this is so important is that time and time again, we see that Satan uses the scriptures and he twists them in order to um, in order to deceive us. Oh, yeah. You see that in the garden. In the Garden of Eden. That was the he first used, thing he yep, did. What God said and twisted it. Exactly. And so we have to be careful that we're not doing that, that we're not being deceived by the enemy because the enemy wants us to fail and he wants us to teach bad things. And he wants it to look like scripture. He comes looking like an angel of light and saying God's words, but twisting them. He did it in the garden. Like you said, he did it with Jesus. Mm -hmm. When he tempted Jesus, he brought scripture to Jesus. And Jesus was like, that's not what God was talking about. He's like, Like, uh, you're wrong. I am God. So (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. So it's yeah, it's just it's super important that we are not twisting scripture um, because we don't want to be like the devil, um, but also because we know that that's how the devil works. Is he he, he doesn't come. <laughs> He doesn't come looking like a black metal band that's that, you know, bites off the heads of bats <laughs> on stage and, you know, is going to suck away the souls of your grandchildren. That's not that's not how he works. He works. Whose quote was it that like if Satan, if Satan had control, like what it would look like, like everything would look nice and clean and everyone would be in churches but the gospel would not be preached what whose quote was that i'm not sure i'm sorry to it's a pretty popular was. quote someone yeah. will probably tell us yeah that's true so tweet at us whoever said that <laughs> um because yeah it's true it's true i mean he would rather we be innocuous and dang it can't think of the right word. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, just completely numb to the truth and happy in our own lives without God mm-hmm. than necessarily openly, brazenly um, shaking our fists at God. Now, I, I think both of them are sinful, and I think that one leads to the other, actually. I think when you have prosperity, like, kind of the human heart continues to go down the drain because it wants a thrill um, and continues into deeper and deeper sin. But um, the point stands that both of those outworkings of sin show the deadness of the human heart spiritually. They're both rooted in sin and pride. There's another point I wanted to make and I can't remember. Sorry. No, no, no! You're you're great. Probably threw you off with that. No, quote. keep talking. <laughs> Don't let me hog this, hog all our time. Um, I mean, I have my points of how to study scripture, but it seemed like you wanted to get s- some other stuff out of the way before we get into that. Right? Yeah, I just wanted to lay the foundation of why it's important. I, I mean, I that hits me hard. Is like, oh man, I really shouldn't. Uh, take scripture out of context i really need to be careful of these things well because that's how satan works like well right i mean honestly like twisting god's words even unintentionally is taking his name in vain yeah so yeah we just have to be we have to be really careful when we quote scripture and make sure that we know the context and no. The big picture and Yeah, I mean do that, you remember what you were going to say? That we understand what God is saying. Yeah, definitely. Um no, but that's fine. We just keep going. Okay. Yeah. So now Anyways. that we yeah, now that we understand that it's important. It's supremely important that we are saying what God was trying to say when he gave us scripture. How do we do that? Because mm-hmm. um, again, we've we pointed out was bad. <laughs> Don't do this. So what do we do? So um, what what are some tips? What are some practical tips to reading the Bible and understanding what it's trying to say? 
Um, well, I am actually going to uh, cite from a book that I read called Women of the Word uh, by Jen Wilkin. It's a great book. Um, and actually, the whole title is Women of the Word, How to Study the Bible with Our Hearts and Our Minds. Um, and uh, obviously, it's a it's particularly targeted toward women. But I mean, I think it would be great for men to read, too, because it's it's just teaching you how to read the Bible, basically. Gotcha. <laughs> um, but she... It's not a, like emotional, is it? <laughs> just kidding. Not really. Sorry, stereotypes. <laughs> no, it's not a fluffy Jen Hatmaker book, so... Ooh, ouch. Okay, so what does it say? <laughs> um, so she has five... She calls them the five Ps of how to... Uh, of keys how to how to study scripture well um so the first one she lists and and she states that these aren't really in any particular order you don't have to particular the first p (laughs) no no i'm just kidding (laughs) um but the first one is study with purpose so what she means by that is um know know the big story of the bible um know the meta narrative so know that scripture all of scripture is a story of redemption you know keep in mind that you know from from the beginning to the end is god redeeming his people Mm -hmm. and how that plays out um so keeping that in mind and then study with perspective so know the context of what you're reading um, you know, who wrote it, what style is it written in, uh, when was it written, why was it written, you know, all those questions. Uh, study with patience. Uh, so take your time, you know, don't just uh, blow through something, you know, give yourself time to uh, really sit with the text and work through it. Um. You know, take notes if that helps. Um, and also, uh, you know, read, <coughs> excuse me, read other translations as well, mm-hmm. just to get some more perspective. Uh, study with process. So study with process is um, basically asking yourself more questions, you know, like, uh, making sure you comprehend it, you know, what is this trying to say? Um, making sure that you're, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, interpreting it well, you know, look at, you use a good study Bible so that can give you more uh, context and even more references to other verses that talk about that um, or whatever you're reading. Um, so you can interpret scripture with scripture. Um, because the best way to the best way to know what God is saying is by uh, interpreting it with God's word. So yeah. God is the best one to interpret what He's saying. So yeah, um, and then study with prayer. So you know, pray before you read, pray while you're reading, pray after you read. That you know, God would reveal to you what His truth is in what you're reading, and so you can 
the Holy Spirit can reveal that to you and help you to understand more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. I've got a few of those on my list as well, um, kind of in a different form. So I apologize that we're going to be repeating ourselves here. <laughs> um, but it's because it's true. It's good stuff. Um, and and we didn't really, um, another P word, prepare <laughs> for this episode um, to come to the same. I mean, obviously we have the same conclusions, but, you know, just we just have different ways of getting there. The one thing I would say, and this, um, here's another P word, push back <laughs> on, uh, on that, <clears throat> is that uh, y- you said to, to read slowly, and I totally, I, I agree with what you're saying in that we right. need to be careful well, read in reading. S- read slowly and also repetitively, like read it over and over and over, and over again. Okay, okay. My pushback would be that actually what I'm doing in my reading the Bible through a year, mm-hmm. through in a year, yeah, I don't know if I said that right, um, is that I am reading like larger chunks of scripture mm-hmm. and I'm and so I'm not stopping as much to take in what the individual parts of it are. I'm getting kind of more a broader picture. Mm-hmm. And so that's actually leaning more towards what you said, kind of understanding the meta narrative the bigger, yeah, the big picture of what the scripture is saying. Um, so I think there's value in that as well. Now, I'll, I would also say that I'm doing that because I generally tend to just take small chunks. And so this year has been much more of a, a step back and see the forest through the trees type of um, type of year for me in, in studying the scripture. So it's, it's different than what I have done in the past. So while I do think, yes, it's certainly, it's very beneficial. And especially when you're studying scripture that you ought to take small chunks and really see what each individual part says. I think there's also something to be said about stepping back and reading entire portions of scripture and going quicker through it so that you can get kind of a flavor of what the book is talking about, what the chapter is talking about, what the book is talking about, what, the the portion the genre of scripture that it is in general so I, I don't think you always have to go slowly but i think a rule of thumb is if you really want to understand what a specific passage is talking about then yes study that passage slowly and take a look at what it means uh but yeah the, those are those are definitely really good things to think about as you're studying scripture i've got some bullet points as well and you've touched on a bunch of them. But the first one um, is that scripture interprets scripture, just like you said. What this means is that when we come to a passage of scripture that seems to contradict the rest of scripture or that doesn't really seem to make very much sense, that we interpret what that passage is saying by the broader context of scripture. Um, So the reason that we do this is because we understand as Christians that God's word, that that God does not contradict himself. He doesn't lie. He doesn't say one thing somewhere and then contradict that very thing somewhere else. Right. Because it is not in God's character to lie. That would make God sinful and that would make God not God. (laughs) So if we understand that God has given us the scripture to tell us something um, and that God is fully good, we have to understand that scripture can't 
contradict itself. Right. And so something that seems to contradict itself, well, let's let's step back. Let's take a look at it and take a look at what the rest of scripture has to say on a on this specific topic to see if we can understand what it means. So, for instance, like the book of James talks about um, justification through works. That's a lot of what, you know, um, uh, James says, I'm, I'm probably going to butcher it, but he says that, um, you know, you say you have faith, but don't have any works. I will show you my faith by my works and, and I will justify my faith by my works. Well, we understand from the rest of scripture that it's not by works that we're saved, Right. that works don't save us. It's, it's God who saves us, who justifies us. Uh, through faith, but because of what he has done. Mm-hmm. So when James says we're justified by works, how do we understand that? It seems like it's, it's contradicting things. Well, again, if we take a look at the rest of scripture, we see... Um, that that's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. <laughs> he's actually saying something different. He's saying we justify our faith. Like the way that we show people that we have faith is by works. Mm-hmm. The way that we can prove to ourselves... Right. That we, we actually justify have our faith, faith in other people's eyes by mm-hmm. showing works. Right. And even in our own heart, right? I mean, like there are times where people right. doubt that they even are saved, that they even have faith. And you can look towards your works to say, my faith is real or to, to question your faith, to mm-hmm. say, is my faith real? Because I'm, I'm not living the way that I should live. I'm not living the way that a redeemed person, someone who's come alive, a new creation in Christ ought to be living. So am I truly saved? So works are very important. But all I'm saying is that we need to interpret what James says by the broader scope of scripture. This prevents us taking one verse and creating an entirely new theology out of that one verse. Um, and lots of people do it. I mean, the one thing that comes to mind right now, but of course, tons and tons of people. I mean, the whole prosperity gospel is is Ugh. is um, based on that of taking verses that say that you know, God. I'm going to paraphrase. God has a wonderful plan for your life, um, and saying, oh, that means you get a Benz and you get a million dollars in your bank account. Uh, no, <laughs> it's not. That's not true. Uh, Jesus didn't drive a Benz. He died. <laughs> he was yeah. beaten. Um, and he told us we were going to suffer. And, and I just, yeah, I'm not going to get into that. Yeah. So so we interpret the harder passages of scripture, the, the, the passages that are harder to understand by the ones that we do understand. That That's the first principle um, when properly trying to understand the scriptures. Um, a couple more principles is, oh man, you touched on this and this is huge, is context. Uh, I think we touched on this in the in the previous episode as mm-hmm. well. But this is where kind of the rubber meets the road. There is so much. And this is where you can see how deep scripture goes. So this actually gets me excited because there's, uh, I'm learning so much in my classes about what this actually means and how to, how to do this. Um, super cool. God is, God orchestrated so many things, um, in order to give us his word. He didn't, this is a cool thing. He didn't, um, like the 10 commandments, he didn't just write them out and then, and then hand us this book. 
right? And so it's all in the same, um, it's all in the same, <clears throat> like, narrative structure. It all sounds like it came from the same person. God used multiple authors in multiple different writing styles, in multiple different historical contexts in order to tell us who he is. Mm. And that's so cool. It shows how much God values diversity and how much he loves um, the differences in people and how, how culture is valuable, how history is valuable, how, um, God just blows away our ideas of we can't fit God in a box. You know, right. he, he has all these different aspects um, that are brought out or emphasized by different people. And it's, yeah, it's just so cool. And that is why um, friends, I, I think we should get out of our own experiences sometimes and read things by people who disagree with you. Sorry, getting off my soapbox, but just want to say, um, don't. <laughs> well, get yeah, caught I mean, in a rut. if you if you take one position, it's good to understand the position you're against, right, right, <laughs> and and the heart of that position as right. well. And so, like evaluating that, I, I'm just saying, like, don't don't make don't make Christianity into a boys' club. And I don't mean that in the in the terms of sexism. I just mean in the terms of like who you're studying, who who gives you your ideas, like. Yes, you can have your favorite authors. I have my favorite authors, definitely. But sometimes it's good to take a look at what, yeah, what other people are saying for the purpose of context. Right. Because they can teach you something too. Or they can affirm your position, Mm -hmm. which is also good. Uh, So context, a couple things about context. Man, oh man. Um, The first one I'm going to bring up simply because it's been hitting me pretty hard the past couple weeks as I'm studying um, for a class is genre, the different genres of scripture. Um, I mean, if, if you're, if you're like an English major and you already understand this, then forgive me for, for stumbling through this. Um, but this is such a cool concept. Um, like I said earlier, the Bible isn't all just one. Um, it's not all the same, right? The genre, to understand what the Bible is saying, you have to understand what genre the book is written in, what genre the chapters and, uh, or even just the passage, because sometimes in a narrative passage, so in a passage that tells a story, which is what most of the Bible is, um, people will break out into song. Mm-hmm. And so then there's a song in the middle of your story. I mean, uh, uh, well, right. In Judges, like Judges does it. Yeah. The story of Deborah mm-hmm. is. Is a, that's a historical book. Judges is a historical book. Mm-hmm. Um, but she breaks out in a song. Yeah. So you can't... It has a song in the next chapter, yeah. You can't interpret the song as if it were history. Right. You know, you can't like say that um, the poetic and emotional language that songs carry yeah. should be taken in a If you took it that way, context. then you would think that Deborah was the actual mother of Israel. Right. Which exactly. That's not <laughs> yeah. So you take it into context, like a song. Yeah, talks about that, and that, yeah. and and the song is saying something using that metaphor right. that a historical narrative would not. So genre is super important. Mm-hmm. Um, just some of the other like genres that I've been learning about that have just been super cool to me um, is 
I mean, the, so those are two of them, narrative and then poetry, of course, song, I think is so cool. Like you take a look at the Psalms and uh, actually this, this week we've been studying the Psalms and there is so much there simply in that genre of Hebrew poetry that we as English speaking Americans don't understand um, that they're like, you can mine the depths of what's going on in these songs, even things that we can't understand in our native language. So like, for example, one thing that comes up in English songs a lot that people write is rhyme, mm-hmm. right? Rhyming songs, most songs rhyme in some form or fashion. Uh, we can't get that from the English translations of a Hebrew poem, right? So if a, if a, if a psalm rhymed in Hebrew, it, it's very difficult to translate that into English in order to make it rhyme in English as well. Right. Because the concepts, uh, the, just the words may not rhyme. Are different, yeah. And, and there are other things that Hebrew poets did, like uh, just even meter. So having certain amounts of syllables or alliteration, mm-hmm. where they would use the same sounds throughout a poem or a psalm that doesn't translate well into English because uh, it's it's hard to do that. <laughs> it's hard to use the same concepts and use the same letters in those concepts when you translate the words. Um, but another thing that blew my mind is the even just the structure of some of the Psalms where you have um, certain Psalms repeating concepts, but they repeat it in such a way where the beginning of the Psalm um, says one thing and then it goes to like it says A and then the next verse says B and then the next verse says C and then the next verse says D and so and uh, so it's almost like you're moving forward like you're walking up steps but then once you get to D the next verse repeats what C was saying in different words but with the same concept and then from there the next verse repeats what B says and in different words. And then it goes back to A. So the way the psalm is structured is that the focal point of the psalm is D. But in order to get to D, you have to say A, B, and C. And then C, B, and A are repeated after that. I don't know if I'm making any sense at all, mm-hmm. but there is just... D is the climax. Exactly. Exactly. There's a climax and it's not just a straightforward climax. It's not like you're getting from A to Z. Mm -hmm. It's like you're moving up to Z and then going back down to A, which is such a cool thing. I mean, it just blew my mind when you're, when you pick apart the, what these Hebrew poets were doing in order to write these songs. Um, It's, it's, it's a totally different genre because they also use terms and this is what we talked about in the the flat earth episode is that they use words they use ideas that get you to feel what they're saying it they're not um to be taken hard uh hard like cold and literally right well like i mean there are a lot, a lot of psalms where david is asking God to, you know, basically like kill his enemies, smite his enemies. Mm-hmm. You know, someone might read that 
as, oh, it's okay for me to hate people. Yeah, jihad. Right. You know? But no, that's not <laughs> that's not what it's getting at. Right. <laughs> right. It's expressing his heart. Right. Um, and and it even it uses so many metaphors. Yeah. I mean, that's the song in general uses metaphors. So when it talks about the heavens declare the glory of God, it doesn't mean that planets sing, that um, that the clouds have a voice. That's not what it's saying. It's painting this word picture that gets you to feel that all of creation it's actually pointing. talks about God, yeah. that God's glory is evident in everything you see. And so it it brings out this beauty in scripture that, you know, as a theologian, as someone who who attempts to kind of parse out the logic behind the scriptures, obviously we see a lot of beauty in that. But sometimes you have to like, get out of your own head and understand things with your heart. Mm -hmm. And that's what song does. Song connects emotionally in a heartfelt way. It, it paints a picture so that you can feel what the author is saying, not so that you can take it out of context and say the earth is flat. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and also like, because <clears throat> I mean, I, I, I'll be honest, like when I was first reading the Bible and I, read through the Psalms, I was confused because I did, like that did go through my head of, oh, is it like, is it okay for me to feel this way, like towards people, like want, yeah. want bad things to happen to them, like because David is doing this. But, but what I didn't realize what I was doing is that I was putting David on that pedestal when I was reading, like, like what David was saying was how I should feel. Mm -hmm. But David is a sinner too. Yeah. Like I shouldn't put him on that pedestal. I mean, like you were saying earlier with the David and Goliath story, like David is not the one that we should be looking towards. <laughs> right, right. God is the one, like the reason he wrote the Psalms was they were prayers they were songs mm -hmm. to god yeah so that's who she who we should be looking to when we're reading the psalms yes is god and i think here's an application point is that the psalms show us that we can go to god in our anger and frustration right like god is big enough to take our emotion mm -hmm. <laughs> when we're in the middle of a terrible tragedy right we can go to god and cry and get angry but that when we go before god often the the psalms of lament show us that that hurt and that anger and that pain turns into praise when we understand who god is right uh so so yeah you, you again context if you take a verse out uh out of its context if you take one line of a song and not understand the entire song, then you're doing, um, you're disrespecting the the poet who wrote mm -hmm. that. You're disrespecting the Holy Spirit who used that poet right. to write that song. So, so the, yeah, there there are application points for these songs as well. Um, but there's some hard stuff in the Psalms. A lot of Psalms are lament. Are, you know, you were talking about just the violence in the Psalms. Yeah, there's there's lots of violent, but there's also lots of 
my bones waste away in my body. Um, I'm crushed. Where are you, God, in the yeah, middle of all depression. this? Depression. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and if you yeah, just don't take that by itself, like look at the yeah. Whole that doesn't mean that it's okay for you to be wallow in your depression. Like that's right. That's not what it's saying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You it's a picture of bringing your your hurts mm -hmm. to God. Yeah. And trusting him with them exactly ah oh, so good you see that in the story of job <laughs> yeah. which uh shift to job really quick this was so cool when when <laughs> i saw the genre of joe job of job is gob so, <laughs> gob, gob bluth <laughs> solid as a rock <laughs> business model sorry so job um the genre of job is unlike any other genre in scripture because it is narrative in that it tells a story, but most of that narrative but is it's also historical. It is historical as well. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's a historical narrative, but it, most of it is told in dialogue. Mm -hmm. So it's like not necessarily in the first person, but it's people talking to each other. Most of it is people talking to each other sandwiched by the actual story. Right. So it's super, it's almost like a play where like you'd get the overture of a play and that sets the scene of what's going on and then most of the scene is just characters on stage talking to each other and then it ends and the conclusion kind of plays out you know and then they lived happily ever after or whatnot mm -hmm. um, which is so cool the way that it's it's different <laughs> from the rest of scripture I don't know I got super excited when I realized that it's like dang this is, yeah it, it's just told in such a way um, different than any other book of the Bible yeah and God used it it continues to use it. Um, the last the last genre that I just want to touch on, because again, when it was explained to me, it just like was like a smack upside the head, <laughs> is wisdom literature and proverbs. Mm. So something um, that I think we can easily fall into with proverbs is taking a proverb and making it um, a strict. Did Solomon write all of the wisdom literature? Uh, most of it. I don't know if he wrote all of it. I don't know off the top of my head. That makes sense. Bust out our study Bibles and see. Because um, God gave him wisdom. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Good stuff. Unfortunately, Solomon was still a sinful wretch. Yeah. <laughs> he was very unwise in a lot of things that he did. Yeah. Uh, but. The wisdom that God gave him was used for the people of God, even down to today. Yep. So we read this wisdom. So, so God even uses imperfect people. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Um, so wisdom literature. So I'm trying to think of how to how to formulate my thoughts and how to say this because words are hard. <laughs> Thank you, Logan Sharp. Um, when. If you take a proverb and make it an absolute, you are disrespecting what a proverb actually is. So, for instance, these are not biblical proverbs. These are just sayings that people say, right? There's, then uh, this is this is R.C. Sproul's. Uh, I got this from R.C. Sproul. So, um, the proverb says, you know, just a common proverb, as they say, "Look before you leap," right? So assess the situation before you move forward. Mm -hmm. There's also another proverb that says, um, what is a word? He who hesitates is lost. Okay. So that proverb says, don't, 
you know, don't hesitate, like, don't be indecisive, like move forward. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're going to lose your chance to do it. So these two proverbs say the exact opposite thing. One of them says to um, assess the situation before moving forward. The other one says just go or else you're going to lose your chance. If you make either of the both of those proverbs have wisdom in them, Mm -hmm. they have applications for your life. Certainly, Um, when you're on a deadline, you don't want to assess the situation you want to get. The, you want to get it done. Yeah. Um, but then other times when, uh, say, you want to get married to someone, you ought to assess your situation, assess their situation, right. and really determine whether or not um, but also, you want to do this. don't drag out your relationship well, and yeah. your engagement. We can talk about that in a different episode. <laughs> yeah. The love episode. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, no, I, I I definitely see what you're saying. Like, b- they go together. Yes. They yes. definitely go together. Because, I mean, even in a situation where you don't want to hesitate, like, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm a woman and I'm good at multitasking, but you can assess while you're jumping into something. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like, yeah. you be smart about it. Have, be wise about it. Exactly, exactly. So these two proverbs, you have to hold them both. They are both wisdom, um, but you have to hold them in balance with each other. Mm -hmm. They don't um, contradict each other because they are not absolutes, right? Only if the proverb said, um, always look before you leap, never (laughs) hesitate, Uh, you know, then it would be contradictory. But the way that the proverbs work, the way that wisdom literature works is that they are not absolutes. They tell general principles. So when the proverbs of scripture say that the righteous man prospers and the wicked man is destroyed, that's not an absolute. And we can't take it as an absolute. Because if we do, then we'll, when we take it into our life, we'll see that it doesn't it doesn't work all the time. We see plenty of wicked men prospering in our nation. Well, I mean, it is an absolute in the sense that if you don't have the righteousness of Christ, you will... Um, be destroyed. Yes. Ultimately, yes, it is. But a lot of wisdom literature talks about this life. Right. You, know, you talk about, you look at Ecclesiastes and how <laughs> how that whole book wrestles with wisdom and whether or not it's even wise to get wisdom because it doesn't matter in this life you know for for lack of you know that's a very special book that takes a lot of uh interpretation you have to understand what he's he's trying to get at right um but but what i'm saying is that you don't take wisdom literature as at as an absolute and apply it to every situation don't just say because this um Christian plumber has a fish on his on his business card. Therefore, his work is going to be the best work that I can get. That's not always the case. It ought to be the case, yeah, for other reasons. But I'm saying that the the righteous man suffers in this life sometimes. Um, the righteous man is martyred in this life sometimes. Sometimes he's destroyed from what we see, and the wicked man we see them prosper because they game the system, you know, through sin. Uh, that is a possibility. There are these contradictions. 
Um, again, the not true contradictions, but there are these seeming contradictions that happen in life with Proverbs. So you have to understand, you have to take Proverbs and wisdom literature as just that, as wisdom, as general principles to live life. But if you apply them to every single situation, then you are not going to get your desired outcome. It's it's not what God was intending when he wrote these wisdom passages. Mm-hmm. So uh talked a lot about genre. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> because I've been learning so much about genre and it's it's so cool to see. But and all that to say is that you should assess the genre in which the the scripture that you're reading assess what the genre has to say and how to interpret what you're reading. Um, because like when Paul commands Christians to do things, you ought to do them. <laughs> like don't take it as um, a metaphor. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, don't flee from sexual immorality. Do it. Flee. Mm-hmm. Don't. Uh, yeah. Don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Exactly. Don't look before you leap when, right. when you're fleeing from sin. <laughs> exactly. Um, so some of the other, and you, you mentioned these, some of the other uh, issues with context is historical context. So what, um, you said this, who is the audience? Who was this person writing to? Um, how would they have understood it? What was the spiritual climate of the people? So for instance, like a lot of the letters of Paul were to churches that were being persecuted. Mm-hmm. Um even even what we said about the the book of James, how James says the justification is through works, you have to understand that James comes after that it was written to Christians who already understood mm-hmm. that um, that justification comes through faith, and so you have to have that bedrock of understanding that before right. you understand that um, works justify your faith. Yeah. Uh, so historical context is a big deal. Um, cultural context is another thing. How would the Israelites have understood the symbols that God uses in the scripture? So, um, so here's one is that the Psalms talk about, um, here's what I'm going to get on my soapbox for a second. One of the (laughs) Psalms, and I don't remember which one says as deep cries out to deep. Uh, how would the Israelites have understood that? What is that actually saying? Well, the deep that it's talking about in that scripture are the waters, the oceans. To an Israelite who, um, you know, pretty much stayed on land their entire life, the ocean is a vast and menacing thing. Terrible things can come from the ocean uh, because we have, it's kind of like saying the depths of space to Mm -hmm. us. We don't know what's out there. Well, and the I Israelites, mean, you could say the depths of the ocean too. We don't know what's in. That's true. We don't. <laughs> so, so t- think of it more in like the depths of the ocean, not crossing the ocean, but right. like going deep down, getting a submarine, and the depths of the ocean. The ocean is so fascinating. Having no to me. understanding of what's I down love there. It. Yeah, it, it's amazing. Um, but so as deep as crying it's out, like to another deep, world. It's talking about the roaring of these waters, and it, it's talking about the menacing. Um, context in which they're in of being walled by the oceans it's not talking about your heart crying out to the heart of god uh that's my little soapbox um (laughs) so you have to understand the cultural context in which the scripture is given as well how would the people who read this have understood 
what they're talking about? How would these symbols, these metaphors have been used? Because our cultural context, we have biases as well. When we right. use certain symbols, we think of certain things. Um, the way that we use words nowadays. Um, if I talk to someone in, who was 28 in 1930, they would probably have a hard time with half of the things that I say, bro. Uh, <laughs> you know, so many phrases that we use. So you have to understand that even thousands of years ago, it was the same deal. Uh, you have to understand who these people were. And I'm not saying you can always do this all the time, but I'm saying these are things that you need to um, to look into that you ought to take into account when you're trying, when you're reading scripture and when you're thinking through what does this actually mean? It doesn't mean, we said this earlier, it doesn't mean that, the verse is going to apply to your life the way you think it is off the bat. Right. Um, it's not telling you to move to a different city because God called Moses, or excuse me, God called Abraham. Uh, he was speaking to a different culture back then. He was speaking to a nomadic people. Um, okay, I'll, I'll try and hit these really quickly. Okay. <laughs> Another principle would be to look at the plain meaning of the text. Scripture does not take a uh, rubric a, a crazy um, code in order to decode. You know, God isn't hiding messages behind um, the letter formations of the Torah. <laughs> uh, you know, I laughed at Bible codes on that previous episode. This is why is mm -hmm. because God is trying to reveal himself. So we ought to, the first priority is for the plain meaning of the text. Um, and the, and the writer's intentions I touched on this with context is who is the audience they're writing to? What are they uh, trying to say? Not what do you want it to say? Right. What is the writer attempting to say? That should be our first priority because the writer is the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So you ought to show him respect for what he was attempting to mm -hmm. say, what he is attempting to say because he speaks to us today through his word. Um, also, take a look at the flow of the argument. So th this is the danger of pulling a passage out of its context you need to read what comes before and what comes after certain passages yeah. in order to understand what they're saying. And right. to um, give you an example of this, let's take a look at Revelation 3.20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. What do you think that verse is saying? It's Jesus talking. Right. I stand at the door and knock, open the door so that I can come in and eat with you. Well, I would say that a lot of people are going to say that it means that we basically are the ones who, uh, excuse me, sorry. <clears throat> that was weird. Frog jumped in my throat. Um, that we are the ones who uh, open the door and let Jesus into our hearts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That Jesus is calling to people. Oh, no. Don't even <laughs> To people go there. who, um, you know, that often people say that this verse is talking about unbelievers, how Jesus is knocking on the door of their heart to let them in. <laughs> I'm sorry. That just reminded me of a song. I, I don't know which one. Someone's knocking at the door. Oh, yeah. Hey, there you go. Someone's ringing the bell. Uh, that's a good song. But um, 
that's not what the scripture is talking about. If you understand Revelation, and I'm not going to read what comes before and after, but you can read it on your own time. Revelation was written to churches. It was written to people who were already saved. It's not Jesus saying that, that he's knocking on the door of unbelievers so that they would be saved. It's saying that you have strayed from my word, from what I have told you, and you need to, and I'm the knocking here is that, you know, metaphor, Hey, um, is talking about the scripture and what Jesus had said and how you're not following it. And you need to, I have given you the scripture and you need to, um, follow it so that I can come in and dine with you. Like, so that we can have fellowship together mm-hmm. because, because you are believers. So he's talking to the church in general. So context is key in that sense. Um, well, you also need just to- reading through the new, if, if you have the New Testament in mind when you're reading that scripture, that verse, I mean, you're, you're going to realize the context and what he's actually talking about because if if you just grab that verse and say that it's um you know Jesus knocking on the hearts of unbelievers and we need to accept him that goes against a ton of verses that are in the New Testament that Paul wrote where he explicitly says that God is the one that changes our hearts. Mm-hmm. Like we're not the ones. We're dead. Right. We are dead. We can't we can't do any good. We can't accept God unless he first changes our hearts. So, I mean, we can't open the door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can't do that. <laughs> yeah. It's like Jesus unlocked the door and gave us the key beforehand in order for us to unlock the door. It just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work. The whole metaphor doesn't work for unbelievers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's multiple um, principles of interpretation mm-hmm. in this verse. There's context, there's audience, um, there's things like that. Um, I, I was I was trying to get at just how we need to read the flow of the text in order to understand it. But yeah, there's so many different uh, things that you can apply to this verse to help understand what the verse is actually trying to say. Mm-hmm. Not so that you can say something else using this verse. Right. Um, uh, so that's another principle. You mentioned it earlier, um, but definitely reading other translations of the Bible helps because we have to understand that the Bible was written in a different language, in a couple mm-hmm. different languages. Um, so while it is ideal for Christians to understand Hebrew, and Greek and Aramaic, uh, most don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't either. Um, and so I have to rely on people who do. Mm-hmm. Um, so reading different translations helps get an idea of what the flavor of the original words were attempting to get at. Yeah. Because words, no word, well, maybe some words, but most words don't translate 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and uh, definitely use a reliable Bible version. Yes. Like, don't get... Like an actual translation. Like, don't use a paraphrasing one, like the message. Like, that's not a translation of scripture. That's just a dude paraphrasing the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. You can use that as a commentary, but don't use it as the word of God. I wouldn't it's even not... use it as a commentary. Huh? I just wouldn't use it at all. 
That's my personal preference. Yeah, I I don't mind it. I I don't think it's a good paraphrasing of scripture. There are a lot. There are more trustworthy authors out there for my taste. Um, Yes, but I'm saying if you, you ought to be reading multiple versions reading multiple commentaries is helpful as well to get an idea of yeah, what people are yeah, saying for sure. as well. Um, but the, the, the key behind reading different versions of the Bible is so that you can get an idea of what, because different, different translations of the Bible have different um, interpretive priorities. Mm-hmm. So some translations try to be the most literal translation of the original text and so sometimes it comes off very awkward. Some translations of the Bible are attempting to be the most readable text mm-hmm. to help understand the concepts behind um, what the concepts of the original languages were. Right. There, there are different keys that um, different interpretations, different uh, translations use. And yeah. so it's it's good to use multiple translations to get an idea yeah, of what definitely. the original was if you can't read the original itself. Like yeah. me. And if... And uh, back onto commentaries, like, don't just, don't just pick up a commentary and like read and read and then read scripture, like, because then you're just coming to scripture with that author's um, perspective. Right. Um, so you need to read it yourself first. Yes. Um, and... You know, if you're having a hard time understanding what the scripture is saying, you know, interpret scripture with scripture. <clears throat> Excuse me. And if you're still having a hard time, you know, then pick up a commentary and see, you know, like you said, multiple commentaries and see what other people have to say. Um, like, for instance, I told you last night that I'm going through uh, Zechariah. Mm-hmm. Lots of visions mm-hmm. in Zechariah. Lots of confusing Um, and uh, I believe it was chapter five that I was going through and uh, I was talking about an ephah and I uh, I was pretty sure that like an ephah was a measurement um, but the way that it was talking about it just made it really confusing for me and so like I just sort of googled what is an ephah just to make sure I was correct (laughs) Um, and a uh, I think it was called Bible Gateway. Uh, a link popped up for that that actually had Matthew Henry's uh, commentary on that um, that chapter, which was so helpful awesome. because a lot of well, just like reading the the books that have a lot of visions in them in general, mm-hmm. it can be so confusing. Yeah, because um, it was written to a certain people that right, would have understood those right images yeah mm-hmm. um and so yeah it was it was super helpful so yeah commentaries can be incredibly helpful if you're just having a, a really really hard time understanding what you're reading yeah um but don't rely on the yes. commentary don't yeah. make the commentary your scripture yeah exactly and i think that's th- this is also the key point that i kind of want to uh, conclude with we might have some postscript material but the conclusion um, th- that I'd say to be very careful about is um, understanding the role of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. is his role is to guide you in the truth 
Um, so these are all principles to use when reading scripture and things you need to take into account to be a, um, to properly study the scripture and to do it with respect for the author, uh, God himself, mm -hmm. to, to love God truly, to understand what he's saying. Um, so these are good ways you can do that. But ultimately, the Holy Spirit needs to teach you what the scripture says. We can't understand it fully without the Holy Spirit and with him teaching it to us. Right. So we ought to rely on the Holy Spirit to do that. Yeah. Um, these methods are helpful, but they're not going to help if you don't have the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. guiding you. If if he's not present, it's all for naught. Yeah. You're not really going to understand what the scripture is saying. Right. And so. So be um, prayerful through your. Exactly. Reading. That's yeah. That's. Ah, yes. You read my mind. <laughs> um, so prayer is is a key part of it. Like you had mentioned. And. Um, and it means that we go to the text of scripture first before we take a look at what other people say about the text of scripture, mm -hmm. um, because we want to see what, what the Holy Spirit is revealing to us through his word before we take a look at what the Holy Spirit had revealed to others through his word. Mm -hmm. Um, others can be helpful definitely to help us see things that we don't see on, on our own, right. but we want to first come to scripture with the Holy Spirit prayerfully yes. to see what it has to say, mm -hmm. um, which is why, and I hate to bash it outright, even though you already did, <laughs> uh, which is why I wouldn't recommend the message as you're, you're reading Bible is because it is, even though it, people call it scripture, call it a Bible, it is a paraphrase and which is more like a commentary. Right. So if you're reading a commentary as scripture, it's wrong. Don't right. read a commentary as scripture. You're just don't read some calling someone's perspective your word of God. And right. That's not. It, and it's not. Yeah. So there is a danger with the message translation is that it's marketed as the Bible. Right. Um, I I don't say throw it out and don't ever use the message. I think you can use it as a commentary, as as Eugene Peterson's commentary on the Bible. I'm totally fine with that. I think he, he uses some cool language sometimes. Well, and I don't even think, he didn't even write it as a translation, did he? I'm not sure. I mean, it's not a translation. It's just not. Right, it's not. So it's not, it's a paraphrase. <laughs> but I'm saying that the majority of But I think he Christians, wrote it as a commentary and not okay. as, I think so. I hope so. I hope he's not attempting to deceive people, <laughs> um, even if the publishers are. Or maybe it's not even published today. I don't know. The, the way that I've seen it in used in Christianity in general is, is a that, translation. Yeah, is a is a Bible, mm -hmm. and it's not. It's not the Message Bible. Um, it's a commentary. Mm -hmm. it's, it's one guy's perspective, uh, and, and he's a smart guy. He's a doctor. Like I'm not. I'm not putting Peterson down. Um, I'm just saying, don't use that as the word of God. Right. <laughs> don't use a commentary as the word. Of, don't go to Matthew Henry before you actually read the scripture. Right. Don't go to any of your favorite. Don't go to John Calvin before you read the scripture. Mm -hmm. Read the scripture first and right. then see what other people have to say about it. Um. So the postscript, uh, I said that I'd return to it, even though I, I don't know that we really need to say much about it, is that... Um, there's a difference between the main theme of the scripture, the main point of the scripture and the applications to the, to those points. 
Um, so all that I mean by that is that when you read scripture, it does actually have one meaning that it's trying to get across, mm-hmm. right? But there are multiple ways that we can apply that scripture. So like we said, story of David, there's one meaning that God is faithful to his people and that he uses broken people to accomplish his purposes. Um, that's the meaning, but there are multiple applications. There are applications of David did well to trust the Lord and right. we ought to as well. Um, there are applications of um, David repented before God. We ought to repent. Um, there are applications of David really screwed up. We ought not to screw up yeah. <laughs> the same way that David did. Um, so there are tons of applications for these scriptures. Uh, I mean, we're going through the book of Nehemiah at church. Mm-hmm. Our pastor is preaching through it. There is lots of application Nehemiah did so many things well, so many things right that we can apply into our own lives to teach us how to follow God. Um, even if that is not the main thrust of the book of Nehemiah, it's not right to, it does teach us these things in application, but the main theme of it is God's faithfulness and how he works through people in different, in different circumstances to bring Mm -hmm. about um, his glory in the rebuilding of the walls of Israel, you know? Um, and that was just pulled out of the hat. And I may be wrong with that, but that that's my interpretation of what Nehemiah is about. Um, so I think this has been good. The time has gone by so quickly. Uh, I feel like I'm just rambling and rambling because there's so many uh, good principles, but uh, we've gone yeah. on a long time. Well, also an- just another small little tidbit, like don't be afraid to look up words that you don't know. Like, yeah, like I looked up Aoife because I wanted to be sure I knew what it meant. Um, you know, have <laughs> it's funny in in this book, Women of the Words, she mentions like having a dictionary on hand. But yeah. who uses a dictionary now? We just look it up on Google. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, they're, they're Internet dictionaries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, look up words that you don't know. And taking notes is also a good idea. I need to be more vigilant about that and consistent with taking notes because I'm terrible at that. It helps to solidify your thoughts and yeah. it helps to, um, to for memorization as well, taking notes. I'm, I'm not good at it either, but I've learned through my classes that <laughs> taking notes is important for <laughs> simply for retaining information. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but all right, we didn't cover everything, but we covered some general principles um, and rambled on for an hour. (laughs) So um, is there anything else that you want to talk about? I mean, it's already... It's already late. It's like almost 9.40, so... Um, Any recommendations for anyone Um, outside of the book, Women of the Word? Um... I mean, we were sort of <laughs> we were sort of talking about politics last night. Um, but uh, there is a podcast that I really like that I've been listening to called Cross Politic. Look them up; it's a good, it's a good podcast. Good stuff. Yeah, they're funny guys, mm-hmm. and they often they always have a guest on, and it's usually someone. Um, that's in the political realm. And so it's just really interesting to hear them talk to these people. 
Sweet. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cross politic. I'll put a link in the description. Yeah. Good stuff. You ever go? Um, uh, nothing really comes to mind, to be honest. Um, again, I'm so scatterbrained with all the different areas that I'm working through. Um, so just in light of this whole episode of scriptural interpretation, I would recommend just, just getting a book on scriptural interpretation. And like, like I said, particularly right now was blowing my mind is the genres of scripture mm-hmm. and learning how to read within certain genres. So, um, even just something, I mean, my, my textbook is just called an introduction to biblical <laughs> interpretation. And so it's this massive 500 page tome. Um, that I'm only reading through certain sections because it's textbook and you don't read an entire textbook, right? (laughs) Um, So yeah, I'd recommend to give this more thought and to see how you can apply it. Um, But also don't be intimidated. Like the Holy Spirit can lead you and guide you. Yeah. um, Even if you don't, if you don't know all these things, because who knows all these things? Get yourself a good uh, study Bible. Study Bible. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's good, Reco. My study Bible is the Reformation Study Bible um, from Ligonier Ministries. It's got a ton of really cool notes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's a reco. Get a study Bible and read that introduction to the chapter, or excuse me, to the book that you're in mm-hmm. so that you can get an idea of the historical and cultural context, who's writing it and who they're writing it to. Because study Bibles usually give you that information. They help you to understand right. a little bit more of that context. And also... Um Pick up a good systematic theology like that'll yeah. help paint pictures for you. Yeah. What's going on. With themes that mm-hmm. run throughout scripture. Yeah. It's so cool. Man, the Bible is, is crazy. There are people who've been studying the Bible for 50 years and still have just, you know, scratched the surface of mm-hmm. everything that it contains. God is so amazing <laughs> that he created such a complex book that anyone can understand. Yeah. Like the depths of the scripture are amazing, but the surface of the scripture is so accessible. Mm-hmm. It's so amazing. Yeah, it's it's funny like thinking about the gospel like it's so simple. Yeah. But so deep. Exactly. Like it goes so deep. Yeah. Yeah, only God mm-hmm. could have done that, could have written a story like right. that. I mean, and, and the way that he did it too, I said it earlier, but the way that he does it through multiple people in different contexts to bring it all together is so amazing. I mean, dude, dude, <laughs> blows my mind, blows my mind. Yeah, yeah we can link um, in the description. Maybe you can link to... Uh, Reformation Study Bible? Yeah. Yeah, we'll do. And a couple of the systematic theology books that we have. I know okay. we have Pilgrim Theology by Michael Horton yep. and um, what's Sproul's? Everyone's a Theologian. That one, but there was also another one that we gave away. I think we still have Everyone's. Th- or no, is that the one that we gave away? Oh, okay. Sorry. I have a terrible memory. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. And we have so many books that I'm yeah. just like, wait, which one Yeah, was we that? need to read more. Um, yeah, I'll throw some links in there. Uh, we like, we like RC Sproul a lot. Um, yeah, good stuff. Uh, so if you want to reach out, you know, if you disagree with what we said, if we said things poorly or you want some more clarification on something, or even if you want to subject, suggest, gosh, words are hard. 
<laughs> if you want to suggest a topic for us that you want us to talk about, that that could be kind yeah, of cool. Yeah, please do because because uh, we, we don't know what to talk about. <laughs> well, we find out, like I mean, you know, we're just busy with life, and so we find ourselves like Monday night. Uh, you got got any subjects you want to talk about? Yeah, because we usually record Tuesday mornings. Yeah, uh, it's Wednesday morning right now, but. Because we, we, yeah, we pushed it off because we couldn't think of something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we could small talk for an hour. We could do that, but we want to fill the time. I mean, we could small talk for half an hour, but we want to fill the time of the podcast with something with a topic. And so with something that right. uh, kind of center around one point. And so sometimes that's difficult to find something <laughs> that's not just like 15 minutes of, yeah, here's what we think. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. You know. Um, so you can contact us either email us at so talk to me podcast at gmail.com or tweet us on Twitter. It, our handle is at so underscore talk to me. But yeah. All right, babe. I think we're good. I think uh, we, we talked long enough. Yes. I'm going to go to work. Get your work on. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. I was going to say something about workout, but. Anyways, no, I think I think we're done. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Go talk to your spouse. Talk to your spouse.